Welcome to The Crossing. We come as we are, each of us in a different stage of our spiritual journey, young and old, all races and colors. We don't exist for ourselves, but for people who are not here yet, people that haven't been invited, people that haven't been cared for, who have walked away from God, people that have a past that pushes others away. We are about the hurting and those who have lost hope. We are one church, not individuals, not as separate locations, but as a family, pushing towards the same thing, helping people discover Jesus and the journey. We believe that Jesus is the hope in the midst of a world of darkness. It's through his church that the world will find light. We believe when we lean in, God will transform our lives. So we have a vision to begin each day with purpose, to open our hearts and minds to learn something new, to step out of our comfortable living, to reach the searching, the broken, the hurting to focus on what really matters, to partner with others to fight against the darkness, a vision to be the church Jesus called us to be, knowing that we were made to make a difference. This isn't just a church. The Crossing is a movement of people who gather together with Jesus, following him and committed to changing our world. This is for everyone. Hello Crossing, we're so glad to see you. Let's join in together as we worship the Lord again this time. I was buried beneath my shame. Let's put our hands together as we sing. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. Into your glorious 
right, church, let's continue putting our hands together like this as we give praise to God for what he's done. This is our story. We sing. I need a rescue. My sin was heavy. The chains break at the weight of your glory. I need a shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen. And we sing this out. When I was broken, you were celebrate that together this morning. Amen. All right, church, we're not stopping. We're going to keep going as we give God praise for who he is, for what he's done. Worthy of all praise, glory, and honor. Amen. Let's continue lifting our voices in this place. Here we go.
won't shadow, you won't light up Mountain, you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me That's what he does, we sing There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. message of that song and I know it's something that we all need to experience and to hear and to be reminded of because I know the world will throw lies at us all the time but we need to remember and recognize the love the length that Christ that God has gone to to show his love for you and for me so I'd love to sing that part of the song again as we just focus in on the reality of God and what he has done what he is doing to show that he loves you doesn't matter what you've done where you feel like you are good or bad. He loves you with no, no more performance needed. So I just love to focus on that. Can we sing that together? No shadow, you won't light up. No wall, he won't kick down. The lengths that he goes to show his love for you and for me, let's sing. There's no shadow, you won't light up. Mountain, you won't climb up. Coming after me, that's it. That's what he does. There's no wall, you won't kick down. Lie, you won't tear down. Coming after me, one time, just your voice as you sing. There's no shadow you won't find. Yeah. There's no one And just one more time, because it sounds so good. No shadow, there's no shadow. Some of y'all need to hear this this morning. No wall. Amen. Can we pray and seek the Lord? God, we love you. Amen. God, we love you, and we are so thankful for that relentless, reckless love. There's nothing reckless about you, but people would kind of add up the things of like, wow, 
how you pursue us, how you reach out to us, even when we've kind of been turned the opposite way, running the opposite direction. New Testament says you still pursue us. So logically, it does seem a, a bit reckless, although there's nothing reckless about it, because that is who you are, a God who is love, who shows that in ways that we just can't even fathom. We're doing our best to to come to terms with it. And I know for many of us in this room, relationships have kind of shown us and dictated on these earthly relationships. Like, man, somebody says this, but then they do something totally different and I've been let down and disappointed. And I, I get that. And it, it can be a hard thing to work through those relationship things. But God, perhaps this morning, my prayer, our prayer collectively is that you would reveal this supernatural, crazy, reckless love to us in a way that we have never experienced before. Again, putting aside the hurts that we have from people that we've done life with, and I know that exists, we can't just easily forget about it, but you can show us the type of love that only you can give, and I pray that many of us, all of us, would, would see that and experience it in a new and a fresh way. We are so thankful for how you love us, and God, it is our honor to give you praise because of it. We love you, God. It's in the powerful name of Christ we pray, and everybody said, amen. Can we just celebrate that some more together? Amen. Amen. I wanted to keep going, but I just I pictured Shane being like, can I, can I talk now, please? So I, I didn't want to do that. Shane's got an amazing message in store for you. And if you're new to The Crossing, we just want to give you a special welcome. We're going to have some more information for you in just a few moments. I know people are still coming in. We're going to get seated in just a moment. As you do that, there, there's typically some spots all throughout our building, but we kind of get in our zone. So in just a moment, I'm going to have a sit and, and do all that. But if there's some seats next to you, I know people are usually trying to find maybe a, a friend or, or a relative that they're supposed to meet. Let's do our best as we can to kind of allow them just that easy room uh, on the aisles as they're coming in. But before we move into the rest of our um, our service today, can we just do this? Can we say hi to one or two people we're already standing next to? Just say welcome to the crossing as we kind of scooch to the middle, and then you can be seated. Thanks so much. Yo, 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 how are you doing today at The Crossing? So great to see all of you. So many people still flowing into this place. You know, we, I know you're wondering what I'm holding in my hand, but you're just going to have to wait in anticipation to hear about this amazing thing right here, all right? Here's number one is we want to say welcome to all of you who are our guests today. Each and every weekend we prepare this time together Believe it or not, with you in mind, with the expectation that you might have a friend or a family member, maybe a coworker or somebody you go to school with that says, hey, come with me. Come hang out with me at the crossing. And so if that's you, we are so thrilled that you've taken that purposeful, courageous step to be here today. And we hope that you'll just sit back and just kind of absorb and reflect on, on what we're doing together. And just our hope is that you'll connect. And so here's one easy step for you to do as a guest. And there is a connect card Literally, a connect card right in front of you and all the seat backs throughout the room today. If you take that card at some point during the service, fill it out, just the small amount of information there. We have a welcome center in our lobby that's staffed with some very friendly people. I checked with them today. They're feeling friendly today. And uh, if you go by there, give them that card. They actually have... Two things that are going to happen. Number one is they have a gift for you. And we just want to say thank you for being here. There's some information that's included there because our expectation is if you don't have a place that you connect on a regular basis, we'd love for you to find a home here. So they're going to give you that information. Secondly, just for you being here today and because you take that card and go there, we are going to donate 10 bucks, $10 on your behalf 
to one of our local nonprofit partners. And in August, our partner is Club Christ, which is an after-school mentoring and tutoring program that goes on. And this is just for you being here, just saying, hey, thanks for being here in your name. We want to give this to a local nonprofit because we believe we don't want to just be in this building. We want to impact Las Vegas. And here's the thing that's awesome. This summer, yes, scattered applause. This summer, <laughs> we gave, you gave over $5,500 to various local nonprofits just by the guests that were here that you invited and, and, and they came. And so that's just fantastic because for many of these nonprofits we've talked to, even a gift of $500 or $1,000 is really instrumental in moving their mission forward. And so thanks so much for being here. Make sure you stop by the Welcome Center and do that. Well, I want to put a picture up here on the screen. This is a team that's going to be leaving this week. They're going to be going to Myanmar. And Myanmar is a long way away. And they're going to be going there this week. And we've been trying to get a team there for over 10 years. We've had a long-term partner that lives there, the bridges that are on the ground there. And we've been trying and trying and trying. And so finally, this week, this team is going to be headed there. They're going to be doing some training and working with the ministry that's there. Here's what I want to ask you to do. You look at that picture. You may not know any of these folks. If you do, that's even better. But I want you to just pick a face out and just kind of, kind of do a screenshot in your mind of them. And as they travel, again, seriously, this is a long trip. There's a lot of things that have to go right in order for them to get there smoothly and then the work that they're doing there on the ground. And we just want to be an affirming, encouraging um, presence for our partner there that are working all the time. And so pray over these folks as they head to Myanmar this week. They're representing us there, and that'll be fantastic. And the way that we do these things is that together we give. And that's just a reality, and we're non-apologetic about that, um, that we, through the resourcing of all of us, combined together and our faithfulness, we're able to do not only what we do here on our campus, but around our community around the world. And there's three easy ways for you to do that. Number one is what we call the manual way, and that's there's envelopes and there's boxes at all the exits. So if you still want to do that, like if you write a check, I don't even know if I know how to write a check anymore. But kudos to you if you do that. Um, you can use the offering envelope for that. But, but the best way we encourage you to do is electronically, either through our app or through our website. You can set that up, and it's real easy click. But thank you so much for your generosity. We, are, we just love what we're able to do because of all that. Okay, here's what I got. I'll give you a Maybe they can get this close up. This is a little miniature succulent, all right? And I probably would fail at trying to keep this thing alive. So I'm going to give it away here in a few minutes. But here's what this is about. We love our teachers and our educators. And they have just kicked off a brand new school year. Many of you in the room or you're watching online, that's what you do. And my daughter's a third grade teacher in Phoenix, so I understand. It's, it is an amazing, valuable, and hard profession that our teachers and educators do. Like many of them, they're working hours outside of what they're really getting paid for or they're bringing in and using their own money to supply their classrooms to be able to teach our kids. So here's what we've decided to do. Next weekend, August 25th, we are taking our lounge in the lobby and we're converting it to what we're calling the ultimate teacher's lounge. And so if you are a teacher or an educator, if you're not, don't even go near that place, all right? They are going to have, we're going to have massage chairs for you to get a quick massage, yes. Some of you are like, I'm going to be a teacher this week. We are going to have, uh, we have a special brunch buffet exclusively for those teachers that they'll get to enjoy. Um, some other things. And a swag bag that's not filled with number two pencils, but is actually filled with some things that we hope will just be awesome for you to have. So here's where this comes in. Is these are at all the exits. And if you have kids, they're actually at the checkout areas when you go to get your child. It says on the front, thanks for helping me grow this year. 
And on the back, it's, it's an invite. Come and enjoy the Ultimate Teacher's Lounge. And so if you have kids, pick up one. Now, we have about 1,500 of these, but let's use some discretion. So make sure that if you have, first of all, if you have kids, that they would take this, give it to their teacher as a gift. And the invite is really secondary. We'd love for them to come, but as a gift to say thank you and to invite them to be part of this next week. It's the Ultimate Teacher's Lounge all day, before and after every service. And also, if you know an educator or a teacher, um, and you, they're a friend of yours that you would love to invite, please feel free to do that, all right? Make sure that we get these in their hands. And it's going to be awesome next week as we celebrate them at the Ultimate Teacher's Lounge. So make sure you take those. One last thing. This Wednesday night, the Crossing students kick off again for the fall session. It's 630 on Wednesday night. If you're a middle schooler or you're a high schooler or you're the parent of a middle schooler or a high schooler, they're going to want to be here at 630. This is a service geared for them. There's um, all kinds of amazing music. There's great messages geared for them, um, mentoring and leaders that are there to just pour into their lives. So if you have a student who hasn't been involved and they're really hesitant, like digging their heels in, just bring them, drop them off, and drive away. It'll be awesome. At 6.30 on Wednesday night, um, it's just really going to be a helpful thing. So they're kicking off the new season. You're going to want to have them be a part of that. Everything I've talked about and way more is at what we call the 411. You can download it on an app or go to thecrossinglv.com slash 411. Well, today we are continuing this series of messages we've called Creatures of Habit. And as you've learned over the last few weeks, what we've talked about is habits are, are terrible friends and terrific, they're, they're terrible enemies and terrific friends. Like if we can get this groove in our life, then we can start to build some real great things. And so today, specifically, we're going to talk about how do we grow spiritually in areas that help us in our soul and to, and to make us continually do that. And whatever season of life we're in, whatever circumstances of life that we may find ourselves in today, that these habits, if we'll establish them, they'll compound. And they'll produce something amazing in our life. So we're so glad that you chose to be with us today. The frost on rose, winter comes for us all. Oh, how nature acquaints us with the nature of patience, like a seed in the snow. I've been buried to grow for you. 
One of our values around here is that transformation is an expectation for every believer. And every person here is in a different season of their spiritual growth. But every season can help us grow in our relationship with God if we will just submit to his plan for our life. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, hey, welcome to The Crossing. So good to have you here today. If you are a parent or a student, you made it through the first week of school. So glad that you did that. And uh, let me go ahead and we can go ahead and give them a hand. Absolutely. Let me look in the camera and just um, greet all of those who are joining us. Our Southeast Campus, we love you guys. All of our microsites, the thousands who watch us online. Let's just go ahead and welcome them. Always good to have you part of the Crossing family. Well, I want to show you a video because last week I threw out the first pitch at the Aviators baseball game. So here it is. Perfect strike right there. I feel like you guys need to see that again, but they're not going to play it again, just so you can see that I did a perfect strike. And before you think that that's a real big deal that they asked me to do that, Smokey the Bear threw it out right before I did. So that's kind of the caliber of people, I guess, that they asked to throw out that first pitch. But what you didn't see is what happened before all of that. Now, we had a staff family day out of the ballpark this last week. And so on Monday, the day of the game, Monday afternoon, Beth, my executive assistant, she texts me and she says, would you like to throw out the first pitch at the game tonight? And so I text her back, no. (laughs) I have not thrown a baseball in years. And so I had this fear that it was going to be such a bad pitch that it would be like this viral video that would be on all the morning talk shows, you know, and everybody would be making fun of me across the country and... You know, you'd be embarrassed to be part of the crossings. I'm like, no, I I don't want to do it. Well, a few minutes later, I get this text from Lee, and Lee says, you really ought to do this. You really ought to do it. And I said, well, I'm not going to say yes yet. I'm going to say maybe. So I went out to the sporting goods store, and I bought some baseballs. And I went to my backyard and practiced. Now, this is a video that nobody's seen because this is for my security cameras in my backyard. You could see me picking up the baseballs, and I actually went into my backyard, and I practiced. And you'll have to kind of look hard. See, I'm aiming at this bucket right here, and so you'll kind of see here in just a second there is going to be a ball that goes out there, and there it is right there, and that's coming. Now, I actually threw one of the baseballs over the back wall into my neighbor's yard. So if my neighbors are here, I would like my baseball back bring it back today, that'd be great. See, before I went out and threw out that first pitch, I practiced. I practiced. Now, here's the thing about spiritual growth. Sometimes we think spiritual growth is just about trying harder. If I can try really, really hard to be spiritual, if I can just be a little bit more disciplined, if I can get all my stuff together, but spiritual growth is not about trying harder. It's about training wiser. It's about practice. Well, we're in the middle of this series that we're calling Creatures of a Habit. And here's the deal. All of us are creatures of habit. You are either a creature of good habits or you are a creature of bad habits. But we are all creatures of habit. And our goal for this series is that we would put some spiritual habits in our life. 
And this series is not about helping you improve yourself. This series is about helping you become more like Jesus. And here's this principle that we've used as this overarching principle of this series is that God-honoring people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Because here's the thing about habits. They are, they're cumulative. Small bad habits rarely wreck your life all at once. But they add up over time. And the same is true of good habits. That when you put spiritual habits into your life, you may not see the benefits all at once, but over time you'll see the cumulative effect of you putting some spiritual habits in your life. And today we're talking about the habits of growing. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts is just the book in the New Testament where it tells about how the early church Began. And so let me just kind of set the scene for you of what's happening here in this story. About seven weeks before this, Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And the Apostle Peter, he gets up and he shares the gospel for the first time. The gospel is just the good news about Jesus. And people respond. And 3,000 people surrender their lives to Jesus and were baptized on that first day. And in Acts chapter 2, we get a glimpse of the habits that these early followers followed. That we begin to see why this first church was so powerful. So we're going to pick it up here, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They devoted themselves. This did not happen on accident. This isn't trying harder to be spiritual. They devoted themselves. They dedicated themselves. They put some practices in their life that helped them become more spiritual. One of the things that keeps many people from Christianity is there's just so many bad versions of Christianity. There's so many bad versions of of the church. And some of you are products of that. I talk to people all the time that say, I'm kind of drawn to the church. But I've had these doubts. I have these questions. I'm a little skeptical, and I don't know if I'm going to be welcomed at this place. And when I listen to their stories, there's always one common denominator. Somewhere along the way, they had a bad church experience. Maybe they were part of a church where the pastor had an affair. Or maybe they were part of a church where the people are just mean-spirited and judgmental. Maybe they were a part of a church where people knew about their past, and because of their past, they were treated like they were untouchable, like they had this disease. Or they got involved in a church, and then they watched the church split over something like the color of the paint on the walls. This stuff really happens. But these early followers of Jesus devoted themselves to some core practices, and the results are incredible. Look at the results of what happened here in this next verse. It says, everyone was filled with awe and at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And look at this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, this is what began to happen in this early church. Have you ever arrived somewhere and you don't know how you got there? You're like, I have no memory of getting here. Well, this week I was riding my mountain bike and I was on this trail that goes across a busy road by my house. And so it's not unusual for me to have to wait at that road for several minutes until there's finally a gap in the traffic and I can go across. Well, later on in my ride, I'm on this trail and I don't remember crossing the street. I have no memory of it. I don't know whether I stopped there at that street. I don't know whether there was a gap in the traffic and I was able to go across without stopping. My mind was preoccupied. I don't know whether God just kind of protected me across that road as I was driving. I did not remember it. And I was freaked out for the rest of the day. I'm like, I could have died out there. You know, what is going on here? When you look at the early followers of Jesus, we see the result of their lives. Thousands and thousands of people are coming to faith. It is a fair assumption that the crossing would not exist if it wasn't for the faithfulness of these early Christians. But we don't look at the result of this early church and wonder, how did they get there? I mean, did it just happen? Did all of this just come together and nobody really knows how it all happened? No. The reason this early church was so powerful, the reason that thousands and thousands were coming to faith in Jesus is because they devoted themselves to some spiritual habits. It wasn't about trying harder. It was about training wiser. So let me show you some of these habits that we see from this early church. Here's this first habit, and it's the learning for us. It's just this habit that we devote ourselves to teaching. You devote yourself to teaching. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that they didn't have the Bible yet, that they had the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching became what is our Bible. They didn't have a Bible where they could go, you know, let's turn together to 2 Peter chapter 3. They just said, let's turn to Peter. Now, Peter, teach us. What we need to know. The Bible is our nourishment. It is what feeds us and it is what teaches us. In my house, we usually cook dinner at home most nights. When I say that we cook dinner, I mean Darla cooks dinner is what I mean by that. But there's a couple days during the week where we go out somewhere else. We go somewhere nice, a fine dining place like Chipotle or In-N-Out. And we let someone else cook the food for us. One of the things that I often hear people say about their church is they say, I'm just not being fed. I'm just not being fed. See, we have the Bible so that we can feed ourselves. And once a week when you come here, we try to prepare a good meal for you. You don't have to do any work for it. You can just come and be fed. But if this is the only spiritual nourishment that you get all week long, then you're going to probably walk through these doors starving. But if you're feeding yourself from God's Word, if you're in the Bible, then when you come here, it's just this great meal. 
It's a supplement to what you're doing all the time. You want to know the number one indicator of spiritual growth? It's Bible engagement. The number one indicator of people are growing spiritually, are they engaged with the Bible? Are they reading the Bible? For me, I do a daily Bible study plan out of the YouVersion app. It is a free app. You can download it on any of your, your phones, your devices, your iPads. And it has hundreds of Bible studies that you can follow along with, that you can do this. It's this habit, devoting yourself to the habit of teaching to God's Word. Here's the second habit. The second habit is to devote yourself to prayer. It says that they devoted themselves to prayer. Now, prayer is the avenue that makes intimacy with God possible. And not only does prayer touch the heart of God, prayer is what changes us. And maybe you're just a little intimidated by prayer because you've never prayed much and you just wonder, I just don't have all the words. I don't know if I, if I can say the right words, if I can do it right. And then you hear someone else pray and it intimidates you. And so you hear some guy who prays like this, Oh, thou great Jehovah God, I come before you having sipped of your unmerited justification offered through your designated propitiation in my pilgrimage of sanctification. God, I willingly submit myself to your providential sovereignty. And you're going, huh? What did he just say? Here's what Jesus says. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, he says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. For some of you, the thought of praying totally intimidates you because you don't think you know how. Listen, you don't have to have the right words. If you can carry on a conversation, then you know how to pray because prayer is just having a conversation with your heavenly Father. In September, we're going to be kicking off our 21 days of prayer. This is something that we do every fall as the ministry season begins. And every morning, we will post a one-minute devotional on all of our social media accounts to begin to, to focus you and then to give you some things to pray about. And we want to spend September praying as a church. Our Southeast campus is getting a new name and a new location, and we want to pray for them. Our Midtown campus is opening in October, and we want to pray for them. We want to come together as a church that God uses prayer to change us. And my question for you is, what would happen in your life if you just became a person of prayer? That this was part of the daily routine. This is one of the habits of your life. Well, here's the next one. Here's the next one. To devote yourself to breaking strongholds. A few chapters later in Acts chapter 19, we see this happen in this story. It says, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. Notice, these are the Christians who were coming and confessing. These are the Christians who were breaking strongholds in their life. Now, we don't use that word strongholds very often. But a couple things about strongholds. A stronghold is more than a sin. We all sin. Every person in this room sins. And while a stronghold might start out as a sin, 
it becomes this foothold in our lives that we can't seem to break. Here's the second thing about a stronghold. Is it usually something that we keep secret? There is usually guilt and shame associated with our strongholds. And it continues to give Satan power over us. See, a stronghold might be a sexual sin in your life. A stronghold might be an addiction for you. A stronghold might be bitterness that you just cannot forgive. It has become a stronghold. It might be jealousy. It might be pride. It might be your fear has become the stronghold in your life. And God's desire for your life is to give you freedom from strongholds. Look what the Apostle John writes in 1 John. He says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. It's the reason that Jesus came. It's to destroy Satan's power over us that God has given you the power to overcome strongholds in your life. Here's this fourth habit. This fourth habit is to devote yourself to generosity. It says in this passage we read that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That the early, these early believers, they were known for generosity. Have you ever met someone who wanted to be known for generosity, but they really weren't generous? That's nothing new. That happened in the first church. A few chapters after this in the book of Acts, there's this husband and wife, this couple, who want everyone to think that they're generous. And so they sell a piece of property, and then they secretly keep back half of the money for themselves. And they brought the money to the apostle Peter, and they say, here is all the money we got. And Peter asks them, he says, is this all the money? Oh, yes, this is all. I mean, we're really generous people, you know. And Peter said, the money was yours to begin with. You could have kept all of it. But you decided to lie to God. And at that moment, they fell over dead. And it says that there was great fear that seized the whole church. I guess so. (laughs) You know, how would you like it if you fell over dead every time you wanted somebody to think that you were Genesis when you really weren't? I'd be preaching to an empty room. Okay, I wouldn't be here preaching. I I thought you'd get that, but (laughs) me included. Generosity is a decision. You will never move towards generosity by accident. You make a decision to be generous, trusting that God's promises are true. The Apostle Paul teaches, teaches us that God blesses us. That God blesses us financially, not so that we can have more, not so that we can acquire a bigger stockpile of stuff. The reason that God blesses us is so that we can be generous on every occasion. That God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. Here's habit number five. Habit number five is to devote yourself to serving. This is the words of Jesus. These would have been the words of Jesus that the apostles would have taught the people. Where Jesus says instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus defines for us what 
greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. He says, if you want to be great, then you be the greatest servant. And the early church figured out how to do this. Because it was in the first and second centuries that the plague hit much of the world. And when somebody got the plague, people would leave them behind. They were leaving the cities and leaving these people behind to suffer. And it was the Christians who went into the cities and they cared for the sick and the dying. In the Roman Empire, when someone would have a girl because girls were considered second-class citizens or they would have a special needs child, that the people would go outside of the city and when they would throw the children away into the dung heap. And it was the Christians who went and rescued those children and they raised them in the name of Jesus. Because the early church knew the power of serving. It is what gave the early church credibility, and it is what gives us credibility as well. Let me just share with you some of the ways that you, that we as a church have served our community this summer. That we collected over 1,000 backpacks for kids in need in our community, and those were distributed this last week. And so kids who did not have their families, did not have money to buy school supplies, not only were able to send their children to school with school supplies, but their kids didn't have to be embarrassed as they walked in saying that they couldn't afford this as a family. That you donated 1,500 flood buckets to our partner Convoy of Hope, and those buckets were already distributed when Hurricane Barry hit Louisiana to serve that area. Agape International Missions, this is our partner in Cambodia. When they were here, they set up a little clothing boutique out in our lobby. And the weekend that they were here, they had the largest merchandise sales that the ministry has ever had in the history since they started. Apparently, our people like to shop. (laughs) But here's what's great about this. The reason we were selling this merchandise is because that is made by women who have been rescued out of sex slavery, and it gives them a living wage job to earn a living. And so everything that you bought out of there employed women who have been rescued from sex trafficking. We had 160 guys. You can give that a hand. Pretty amazing. We had 160 guys go to Mexico and build 12 houses in one weekend. This had never been done before in the 25 years that YWAM has been building houses in Mexico. I had a guy walk up, and he gave me a check for $500. He said, this is to help build the houses in Mexico, to send the teams there. He goes, goes, you need to know I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I think what you guys are doing is great, and I want to be a part of it. And he just gave the money because that's the power of what happens when we serve. It gives us credibility in our life. Here's the sixth habit. To devote yourself to sharing your story. To devote yourself to sharing your story. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In the early days of the church, thousands of people were putting their faith in Jesus. How do you think that happened? It's because people were sharing their story. They were talking about what Jesus had done for them. See, one of the the things that's hard for us, one of the things that keeps us from sharing our faith is it just feels so awkward. We want to share our faith. It just feels so awkward. And so you go over to your neighbor and you try to strike up a spiritual conversation and you go, man, it's a beautiful sunset tonight. God made the sun. 
speaking of God, and it just feels so awkward to you. The reason that most people don't do this, the reason most people don't share their faith is just out of fear. That maybe you just have the fear, I I don't know all the answers. I don't know all the Bible verses. Let me tell you, you don't need to know all the answers. You don't need to know all the Bible verses. You just share your story. Here's your story. This is what my life was like before Jesus, and here's how Jesus has changed my life. And your story is powerful. God will use your story to change lives. Here's this last one. Here's this last one. Is devote yourself to celebration. I could have also said to devote yourself to community. And we see this in a couple different ways. It says they devoted themselves to fellowship. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That we were never meant to do life alone. That God's desire to grow spiritually happens when you let other people into your life. So you can come to church week after week. You can sit in these rows month after month and never have anybody who knows you. This is why we say that circles are better than rows. That when you are in a life group and when you're a circle together where somebody knows you, it's more powerful. Let me just push on you a little bit. Let me just push on those of you who are not connected, who are not connected at all. And The reason is, is because you go from church to church to church based on whatever menu that they are offering that week. You go to a church based on the teaching or the music or what's available for the kids or the kind of coffee they serve or whatever it is. And this concerns me. It concerns me not because I think you're any less of a Christian. This concerns me because there will come a point in your life where you need help where you need somebody to come alongside you and nobody will be able to help you because nobody knows you. Now, please understand my heart. It doesn't have to be the crossing. There's a lot of great Bible teaching churches in our valley. I just want you to find a place where you can be devoted to a group of people who help each other grow in your faith. I want you to look at this list again. It's these habits, these spiritual habits. It's the habit of God's word. It's the habit of prayer. It's breaking strongholds in our life. It's the habit of generosity. It's being generous, serving, sharing your story, what Jesus has done for you, celebration and community. And maybe you look at this list right here and you go, that's the one I need to focus on. I just need to start engaging in the Bible. I just need to start reading God's Word. Maybe it's a stronghold saying, okay, it's time. It's time for me to do this. These right here are the seven rhythms that every follower of Jesus should have in their life. These are the seven rhythms that every follower of Jesus should have. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are overwhelmed by that list. And you're like, well, I better take a picture of it because I'm never going to be able to remember it. But if I try really, really hard, I can do it. You don't need to try really hard. Here's this bottom line for us. is A life devoted to spiritual habits is about training, not trying. 
A life devoted to spiritual growth is about putting some practices into place. It is not being perfect. It's not just trying a little bit harder. That these are the seven rhythms or the seven habits that we teach you in Rooted. Rooted is our 10-week discipleship journey. It's our 10-week small group where we train you with all of these. Here's my desire is that every person at the crossing would go through Rooted. That you don't have to memorize this list. It just becomes part of your life. It just becomes part of the core practices that come out of you. We've had 900 people who have gone through Rooted this past year. And we're kicking it back off in September. We already have 350 people sign up for Rooted that starts in September. And we have 250 more openings for you. I want this for you. And so my question is, what is your next step? What is your next step? You don't have to take every step. What's your next step? One of the things that we say around here is you need to know what your next step is and what your friend's first step is. You need to know what your next spiritual step is. And then for your friend who you're sharing your story, what's their first step? How do I help them? So what is your next step? Because we want you to grow in a relationship with Jesus. I want you to look at the scripture in 2 Peter where the Apostle Peter writes that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. He's given us everything we need for a godly life. Listen, this means that you can do this. And I know you think growing spiritually is just overwhelming to you. God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. That you can do this. You can put these rhythms in your life so that you can become more like Jesus. You can begin to put these core practices in your life, and you may not see a change all at once, but it begins to happen, and you begin to see your life changing, and you begin to become more and more like Jesus. You can do this. God's given us everything we need to live a godly life. So I want to pray with you. So God... That's our prayer. God, that we would just submit to the work that you're doing in us. That you've given us everything we need to live a godly life. And God, we get so intimidated because we look at someone else who's further down the road than us and we think, I could never do that. I could never be that person. But God, every single person in here is in a season that you can grow them through. So God, do your work. Give us the courage to take a next step. Help us to not be content to stay right where we are, but to become more like Jesus. And so we pray this in the powerful, life-giving, forgiving name of Jesus. Amen. We have a room over here called the Commons, and maybe you just need somebody just to pray with you, to come alongside you. We would love to do that. They're available for you after the service. They're there every single Sunday. But right now, we're going to receive communion. 
And there's one more thing that this early church did. That that first verse I read, it says, They devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. It was communion. And every week we take communion together. And as the trays come, you can just take a piece of bread and a cup of juice that represents Jesus' body that was sacrificed on the cross and his blood. And here's what's great, is you are participating in something that Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you just to take communion with us right now as we just put our focus in on him. Remember what Christ has done for us. Will you join us as we sing this together? There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. We sing that out. No shadow. There's no shadow you won't.
celebrate what God has done for each and every one of us today. Crossing, it's been such a privilege being with you today. We want to invite you back here next week. Until then, God bless. Have a great week. We'll see you then.